0: Episode 142 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you again by cloud accounting software, FreshBooks, offering a free month of unrestricted use and you don't need a credit card for the trial either. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us?" section.
1: You want to lead the millennials? They won't follow narcissistic leaders. They want to follow people that they believe in and that they trust and that they find this human. And so heart-led leaders are are taken over. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now here's Jeff.
0: Hi there, and welcome to the podcast It's dedicated to your personal and professional growth, and though we cover a number of different topics here on Read to Lead, certainly leadership is at the heart of it all, and that's certainly the case this week. In a moment, you and I are going to be joined by Tommy Spaulding. He's the author of the book, The Heart-Led Leader, How Living and Leading from the Heart Will Change Your Organization and Your Life. And I'm going to be asking Tommy about how he responds to those that claim heart-led leadership is too touchy-feely, why he considers soft skills the most important skills a leader can possess, the impact that the vulnerability to share your story can have on your ability to lead, and a lot more. If you're like me and sometimes racing against the clock to wrap up a number of different projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork, yeah, welcome to life as a freelancer. Challenging, yes, but our friends at cloud accounting software FreshBooks believe the rewards are quite worth it. Now, as a listener to the show, you no doubt know the working world has changed. We talk about that a lot. And with the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for people who want to be self-employed. And to me, That need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom built for exactly the way you work. In my opinion, it's the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. Create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds, something I do on a regular basis. Set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster. That's pretty important. Plus, see when your clients have seen your invoices and put an end to all the guessing games. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to you in order to claim just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us?" section doing business will get a whole lot easier and you'll be supporting read to lead at the same time Tommy Spaulding is the founder and president of Spaulding Companies, a leading development, speaking, training, and executive coaching firm based in Denver, Colorado. A world-renowned speaker on leadership, he has spoken to hundreds of organizations, associations, educational institutions, and corporations around the world. His first book, It's Not Just Who You Know, Transform Your Life and Your Organization by Turning Colleagues and Contacts into Lasting, Genuine Relationships, quickly climbed to the top of the new york times wall street journal and usa today national bestseller lists his latest book the heart led leader the one we're talking about today is a new york times and number one wall street journal national bestseller and was also listed on inc.com's top 100 business books of 2015 tommy it is my pleasure to to welcome you to the read to lead podcast i'm so excited to have you here
1: well it's honor to be with you jess
0: well, I was fascinated as I read the book uh, about your personal story. If you're willing, I'd love for you to share some of the struggles, Tommy, that you had to overcome uh, as a high schooler and a college student.
1: Right. Well, Jeff, my wife always tells me everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And it's our jobs as leaders to, to learn people's story. Because when you understand people's story, you understand how they tick. And when you understand how someone ticks, you, under, you know how to lead them. And so my story, I guess, just in a nutshell is I, I grew up in upstate New York. My parents were school teachers. I was a good kid, an altar boy, Eagle Scout, class president, See. you know, good kid, but I just couldn't read a lick. I'm completely dyslexic, mm. really struggled academically and graduated towards the bottom of my class and didn't get accepted to college and, you know, just really struggled with, with reading all through high school and, and college and, you know, barely got through with a 2.0 GPA. Actually, I like to, I like to tease my friends, Jeff, that I, I graduated a 4.0 if he took my high school GPA and he added it to my college GPA. <laughs> <laughs> I had a 4.0. But you know, and I, and I applied to 37 law schools. I wanted to go to, I wanted to go to law school. Mm. That was my dream. And I got rejected to every, every single one of them. All 37 rejected me. So I've had a lot of rejection in my life with, because mm. c- c- of my learning disability. But um, you know, and now 47 years old, I got two New York Times best-selling books. I'm on the speaking circuit, traveling to hundreds of cities a year, speaking about leadership, and it's totally humbling uh, to to know my background. But I uh, I got to tell you, Jeff, dyslexia is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me it, because it taught me how to be tenacious and <laughs> taught me the word no means work harder, and it gave me character and it gave me um, empathy and um it gave me a heart to, to serve others and to overcome obstacles so it's a part of who I am I have three kids I think my youngest one got the gene for me and uh, he's gonna go through the same struggles but you know what? he'll probably be the most successful of all the kids because when you have something like dyslexia you either you either face it or uh, let it face you and so I, I hope he faces it like I did
0: yeah it really comes down to how we respond to those challenges doesn't
1: it? sure absolutely
0: well, for the purposes of, of uh, context for the rest of our conversation, let, uh, let's have you define this term, heart-led leadership. What do you mean when
1: you use that? Jeff, there's probably, I don't know, two or 3,000 books on leadership that come out every 10 years, and uh, half of them are on servant leadership. Mm. I mean, servant leadership is not a new concept. I mean, if you call yourself a, a Christian, I mean, servant leadership came from the days of Jesus. Mm. Uh, I mean, servant leadership is not, is not new. But one thing I noticed about 99% of all the servant leadership books I've ever read, and I've read most of them because I'm so passionate about this subject, is that none of them are really directly correlated and tied to results, like mm-hmm. bottom line results. Mm-hmm. Like Jeff, servant leadership is always like, you know, it's good for culture. It's good for your teams. It's a, it's a good thing for, but but it's not tied to like bottom line, you know, results. And I just, you know, disagreed with that. I think that the greatest leaders, the the greatest companies, the greatest organizations, the the greatest schools, hospitals, um, nonprofits, churches, synagogues, whatever you're leading, if you lead with your heart and become a heart-led leader, you'll achieve your results. Uh, but to answer your question, Jeff, heart-led leadership is leading with love, love is not a word that's been used in corporate America. And when it is used, it's poof, it's poo-pooed, it's soft and, 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 and weak. And uh, hopefully by the end of this 30-minute conversation with you, all your listeners will say sign me up for love because <laughs> love, I, I will tell you stories of Fortune 500 companies that made billions of dollars because the CEO says love's a part of our culture.
0: Well, what do you say to somebody who says this is kind of you know, too touchy-feely to be a true part of any sort of real strategy for business or, or
1: a leadership strategy? Do you
0: cite those specific yeah. examples of successful companies?
1: I mean, the, the direct way to answer that question is they're dead wrong, mm. I mean, completely wrong. They will be a, a dinosaur like Circuit City and Kodak <laughs> and, and Blockbuster. I mean, they will be dinosaurs, people that don't realize that love is not a part of the workplace. Mm. But let me just clarify love is a word that you say, but it's also a word that you do. And in my book, I proclaim that you never have to say the word love in the workplace ever. Mm. You never have to hug anybody. Heck, you never have to smile and pat anyone on the back. You, could, you, you don't have to say the word love. It's, it's what you do it's your actions, it's your humility, your transparency, your authenticity. If people see your heart, that you're a good person, that, that you have their best interests, there's all these other things. So love is an action word. And I believe as my f- friend Steve Farber said that if you look the word love in the dictionary, it doesn't say not applicable nine to five Monday to <laughs> Friday. I mean, it belongs in the workplace. It's just how you use the word. <sighs>
0: Now, as, as, as you moved on and, and you became a 30-something man, uh, share a bit about what you learned from ignoring your heart, Tommy, and and, and the difference between uh, our
1: what and and our who. You know, I've made a few major mistakes in, in my life, and I, I love to talk about them, and I love to write about them. Mm. You know, when I decided I wanted to be a thought leader and a, and a writer and an author and a speaker, there's two types of speakers and authors. There's type one that gets up on stage or you know behind the, the computer and says, uh, let me tell you how smart I am. And <laughs> let me tell you about all the things I've learned along the way that made me successful. And let me share my secrets. I, I, I think that comes from a place of arrogance, right? Mm. And narcissism. Mm. Uh, I write my books and I speak from, let me tell you about all the ways I've screwed up in my life. <laughs> and let me tell you about all the amazing people that mentored me and picked me up and taught me amazing lessons along the way. And let's go on this journey together. So that's the answer to that. Yes. But so, a couple major mistakes I've made is one is um, I listened to my guidance counselor in high school when he told me I wasn't going to go to college and I was going to go to a trade school. Mm. But two is when I got a you know I got a business school. Um, I thought that it was time to make money and be successful, and I wanted to prove to the world that I wasn't stupid. You know that that, that even though I failed out of school and. Didn't, didn't do well in high school and college. And I was successful. And I, I measured success on how much money you make. So I got into sales. I worked for IBM. And I you know, and, and was very proud of making six figures at a young age. And I realized I hated computers. <laughs> I hated software. <laughs> and I just did it because I wanted to tell people I was successful. And I mm. made that major mistake. And I mentor young people now. Find your passion. Mm. Find what you really love to do. And then build a career around that. And uh, don't worry about money when you're in your 20s and 30s. I made nothing in my 20s and 30s. Never made money. But I traveled the world, went to 80 countries, lived in Europe, lived in Asia, went to business school in Australia, backpacked throughout Asia. I mean, I just saw the world. And then I started thinking about money when I got married and started having kids. Mm. Hey, I gotta provide now, now it's time to make money. (laughs) And we're making plenty of it now. But I would never give up my 20s and 30s to see the world.
0: Great advice. Well, you mentioned uh, business schools uh, and and they and traditionalists are often uh, dismissing the, the, the soft skills or, or the people skills, but you believe those to be the most important skills uh, a leader can possess. Why is that?
1: Yeah. Interesting. Let me just talk about business schools and law schools and graduate <laughs> schools. Let, let's put this on the record. Yeah. 20 years ago, if you wrote on your application, in business school, graduate school or law school. I'm gonna take a year off from college after I graduate and I'm gonna travel all over the world, maybe get a job teaching English in Korea or Japan or I'm gonna get a job in, in Europe and I'm just gonna take a year, what they call a the gap year. You know what they thought back then? Weed smoker, pot smoker, this guy's a hippie. This guy doesn't know what the hell he wants to do with his life. He's just lost and traveling. Now, Jeff, fast forward 25 years from now. Mm. Look at every law school application, every business school application, Mm. and every graduate school application. What's the third question on every application? Have you taken a gap year? Mm. What have you done since you graduated college that's not just education? What kind of travel, how you see in the world? I mean, it's changed, right? Mm. I think the same exact thing is gonna happen to heart led leadership and these soft qualities of like humility and authenticity and vulnerability and trust and and, and love and these, these words that were often thought as soft, touchy feely words, these are the words that business schools are gonna be teaching. Because they're gonna say if you wanna yeah. if you wanna lead the millennials, they won't they won't follow narcissistic leaders. Mm. They wanna follow people that they believe in and that they trust and that they find this human. And so heart led leaders are are taking over. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, just a, it's a choice, like what, what kind of leadership class you're gonna have, and, and hopefully after 30 minutes of listening to you and I talk, they wanna be a heart-led leader. <laughs> well,
0: let's dig in a bit to this, this culture of love, uh, you call it. Uh, you mentioned uh, the workplace earlier, and bringing that to the workplace doesn't necessarily ever have to mean using the word love, necessarily, but what does, what does a culture of love look like in the real world?
1: When you put other people before you, I mean, at the end of the day, there's two types of people. People that want people to serve them, and people that want to serve others. Mm. I mean, everyone has a little bit, you know, of I want to serve myself. But at the end of the day, if they, if you're a pizza pie, if you're 51 percent uh, self-serving, <laughs> you're a self-serving leader. Mm. And, and so, leading with love means to put your client first, to put your employees first, to put your parishioners first, to put your neighbors first, your friends first. Truly, authentically putting people above you uh, and leading from a place of, of care and love and empathy and vulnerability and realness, that's, that's really what's leading from the heart.
0: Mm. Well, Tommy, I'd love for you to tell me uh, and share a bit about your friend Chris Warner and, and what you've learned from him over the years about uh, selflessness.
1: Yeah, Chris is a, is a, is a climber. And I, I don't know, I forget the statistics, and they change every day, so I'll just tell you, there's probably like a handful of people on the planet that have like, summit, the K2, and Mount Everest. Mm. And you know, Mount Everest, you know, the, the death to summit ratio, that's the whole, like in, in baseball, there's balls and strikes, and <laughs> football, there's touchdowns. Well, in climbing, it's, it's all death to summit ratio. Mm. I mean, of, of how many people climb this mountain, how many people are killed? And like K2 is like a 25% death to summit ratio. Yeah. I mean, every four people that climb, one person gets killed. It's, it's, it's tough. And, and Chris climbed both. But what makes Chris um, a unique individual is that he climbs with love. Because he's taught me that climbing is not an individual sport. You don't climb K2 by yourself. You climb with a team of people. Mm. And when one of your men are down, you stay until that person's ready and you climb up together. And Chris has just a magical story about um, what love means to him, and love for him is trust. Because when you're on top of the mountain and you're putting your life, your life in people's hands, um, you have to have this deep, unbelievable trust, and teamwork is, uh, is everything.
0: You mentioned earlier, Tommy, uh, that everybody has a story and you've been kind enough to share a bit of yours uh, with us. How does, how does having that vulnerability to share our story
1: impact our ability to lead at the end of the day? I, write a, I wrote a, a, a chapter in my book. I basically, just to put the framework of my book, is the a heart-led leader is an 18-inch journey. Because mm. 18 inches is the distance, Jeff, between your brain, your head, and your heart. That's the greatest journey a leader can take. We can send a man on the moon, we can send a rocket in space, we can travel around the the earth in supersonic speed, but we can't travel 18 inches. It's the hardest journey for us to connect the head to the heart and have these 18 inches. And I believe there's 18 qualities, 18 traits that make up this 18-inch journey, and I wrote about each trait in my book, I broke it up in 18 chapters, and I found a leader that's running a company that had extraordinary results because they led with one of these 18 qualities, and one of the qualities is vulnerability. And I had permission to write a story about Jody Rollin, who's the managing partner for Merrill Lynch, president of Bank of America, mm. Western uh, US, and just an incredible leader. Mm. And it's just, uh, Probably one of the top three highest level uh, women in all of financial services in the world. I mean, just a tough cookie. Mm. And uh, Jill and I have become friends with her and her husband, Rob, and their kids go to school with our kids. And we're, we're, we've become friends. And I've spoken to her company a couple times and, and coached her, her people a little bit. I've gotten to know her. And when I've well, gotten to know Jody, I, I realized that she had this unbelievable story. I mean, everyone has a story. And some people have stories that are like, you can't make this shit up. I mean, it's like <laughs> unbelievable. Like for Jody, for, for example, with, with permission. Um, I asked her, can I share her story? And she she agreed, but she grew up very poor in upstate uh, Minnesota. Her dad was an alcoholic, never knew much of him. She was raised by basically a single mom. She had nightmares when she was a little girl. And so up to the age of seven, she slept with her mom. And one day her mom didn't wake up, had a massive heart attack, died. Mm -hmm. So this girl had this unbelievable life of hardship. And you think dyslexia, for my story, this girl had a story 10 times hard. And just with dealing with, with, with just going to school and having money to go to college and, and not having parents and just raising herself. And then she got married, you know, went at a young age and wanted to have children. And um, I'm not sure if any of your listeners ever had a miscarriage, but it's mm-hmm. very emotional. My wife mm-hmm. had one. Jody had eight of them before she got pregnant. I mean, just her, her resume of overcoming obstacles is just unbelievable. But yet she's got this tenacious spirit. She's unbelievable. And she's incredibly successful. So I share with her, you know, Jody. now that I've known you and I really love your heart, why don't you tell your story to your people? And I've, I've been to your national Merrill Lynch conferences. I've seen thousands of your people. She's got 40 or 50,000 people that report under her. Why, why don't you tell them the story that you've told me? Like what was it like waking up when your mom's dead and you're like an orphan? I mean, what, 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 did, what What did you go through as a young kid? like how did it shape who you are today? You know she said to me, it blew my mind, I would never cry at work e- i mean i 'm a woman i 'd get eaten alive, e- and this would be seen as weakness. I would never, ever be vulnerable ever ever <laughs> and I challenged her years ago. I challenged it jody, you 're wrong. you have such a beautiful heart you 're so successful, your people will see you as human, they will follow you they will not only respect you but they'll love you. So the difference between love and respect. You know, you're respected when you're a fearless leader. You're loved when you're a vulnerable leader. <laughs> Share your story, Jody. Share it. Yeah. Man, she was scared. I'll never forget this. I was there when she first opened up and shared her story with her people. I've never seen a room cry and sob and like, I- I've never seen it. Mm. It was a miracle. And if you ask Jody Rowan why Merrill Lynch and Bank of America stock is like zooming and why her company is one of the most successful in the country, <laughs> she will tell you the time and day she started sharing her story. Because what that did, Jeff, is everyone else started sharing their story. Mm. And, they, and, and, and all their employees started to know who they were and what made them tick. They saw jo- Jody's human is real. And then they started to understand the stories of their customers and their, and their clients because every client has a story. It's changed their entire culture. So I suggest that if you want to be a heart-led leader, this is not getting up in f- front of your team and sharing your dark secrets of your affairs and tax evasions. <laughs> this is about sharing what did you overcome to help define who you've become. Yeah. When you share that, it's unbelievable what happens. It's, vulnerability is contagious. It breeds vulnerability. And when other people are vulnerable with you, what's that do, Jeff? It builds trust. If I share you my story, Jeff, and you share me yours, there's a trust that's built. And that's what's missing in corporate America.
0: I've seen this exemplified in in the life of my my wife Uh, for years. There were aspects of her story that... that we're only known to myself and, and her immediate family some fairly dark times. And in recent years, she's begun to uh, uh, get a little bit more vulnerable about that and begin sharing that with people. And in the last few years, has impacted hundreds of women yeah. uh, just by the willingness uh, to do that. I have a couple of questions I want to ask you, Tommy, in the time we have left, not uh, directly related to your book, if, if I may. Can you name for us uh, some books that, that you go back to again and again, books that have had a huge impact on you and on your career and on your life? life that, that
1: you can recommend? Sure. <laughs> I got one book, <laughs> Jeff, that if, if I send this book to any more friends, the post office man is going to think that I have some Ponzi scheme because I think I've mailed <laughs> 500 books of this book. It's called Fearless mm. by Eric Blem. It's a story of a, a Navy SEAL named Adam Brown. And even if you don't like Navy SEAL stuff, you know, like military stuff, my wife read it and cried herself through it. I've given 500 copies of that book out and no, no BS, I've probably gotten 499 emails or letters or phone calls <laughs> saying, that book changed my life. Mm. Fearless by Eric Blam is a beautiful story. Uh, I'm a big Steve Farber fan. He's got a book called the, the, the Radical Edge and Leap. Um, just an incredible you know, guy that understands love in the workplace. I'm a big Pat Lencioni fan. He's got a book called The Five Dysfunction of a Team, mm. which I think is probably top five best business books ever. I'm a huge fan of Ken Blanchard, One Minute Manager. Um, the real deal, genuine, authentic love, uh, servant leadership. Um, I'm a huge fan of Henry Cloud, he's a psychologist, he's got mm-hmm. five or six books out. Boundaries, trust, or integrity, um, just an amazing man. And then uh, a guy named John O'Leary, who's a burned victim out of St. Louis, wrote a book called On Fire. And most burned victims tell their story about I got burned, let me tell you what happened to me. Mm. He tells a story, I got burned, let me tell you, it's gonna change your life. (laughs) It's just (laughs) an unbelievable book um, and and friend. And so these people I've met on the speaking circuit that are genuine, authentic, and real, and they got Mm. great stories, and I recommend those books.
0: And we've been fortunate enough to have a couple of those folks on the show in the past too, Dr. Dr. Cloud and uh, Ken Blanchard as well. Uh, maybe get uh, Pat Lencioni on one of these days. Um, well, as, as someone who speaks as often as you do, I think it'd be crazy not to ask you for some of your personal tips for delivering a, a, a memorable talk and, and, and one that's going to impact uh, the people you're speaking to.
1: Huh? That's a great question. <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting, yesterday... I was doing a speech in Georgia for my friend Jimmy Blanchard. They got the Jim Blanchard Leadership Forum in Columbus, Georgia. Mm. Unbelievable. Um, 12 years they've been doing this leadership seminar. They write 10 speakers, and they've had the president, Condoleezza Rice, Dan Pink, I mean everybody. This year Peyton Manning spoke, and Dan Curry, great NFL champion, and Jim Nance, the CBS broadcaster, mm. and uh, Marcus Luttrell, lone survivor, and I was, the, I was the opening keynote speaker. Uh, after the CEO of MasterCard, he spoke as well. And um, one of the 10 speakers at this conference was this young woman that actually worked for Columbus State University. I won't share her name, but she's just talented. Mm. And I think it was great that they they host this leadership forum at the the university. And so they had 10 thought leaders from all over the world fly in, and they invite one faculty member to be the speaker to kind of tie in the university. And this young woman uh, was the speaker this year and last year. And just talented, she spoke on millennials, just smart as a whip. <laughs> and she got up there for forty-five minutes. Everyone gets forty-five minutes on the on the platform. There's a couple thousand people in the audience, and she just rattled off statistic after statistic and statistic, and just graph and chart and I mean just. Uh, just nailed uh, this the academic rigor and background, how smart this girl is about understanding the millennials, right? Mm-hmm. So I was uh, racing to the, my car because I had to catch the flight home because I wanted to see my kids last night. And she came out to thank me. And I said to her, You know, I, may I give you some advice? And she said, Yes. I said, I think you have the, the, the chops to get on the circuit and write books, and you're an incredible thought leader. Mm-hmm. But if I can be so frank, in five hours, I'm not gonna remember anything you said during your talk this morning. Mm. In five days, I'm not gonna remember a lick of it. In five years, I'll never remember who you are. Mm. Even though you, ha- you were the smartest person on stage today, and you had unbelievable statistics, and charts, and graphs, and research, you didn't tell one story. Because people remember stories they don't remember statistics. I want you to take all your data, all your research, and I want you to pull 10, 20% of the best stuff you got, the best research, 10, 20% of it, call 20. And then I want you to start praying to God that you have these amazing stories happen to you. Think about all the mentors and people in your life and all your obstacles. And I want you to find 80% of stories. And next year when I come here you speak, I want you to tell stories and then weave in your data and weave in your statistics. And I guarantee you people will never forget you. I mean, the lady was nearly in tears, but that's the magic. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter how smart you are. If you can't get on stage and share your story mm. and be emotional and real and authentic and vulnerable and transparent, audiences won't, they won't remember anything you say. And if you tell stories that are moving and real, they'll never forget you.
0: Well, I know the book has been out for, uh, what is it, coming up on a year, I believe, came out late yeah. last, last year. Uh, what's next up for you, Tommy? What are you
1: and your team working on now that, that's got you excited? Yeah. I, I think I found my, my, my spot. Mm. You know, my first book was about building authentic genuine relationships. This book's about love in the workplace. And I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to stay here for a while. And the next book I write might be on authenticity, but I really believe in leading from the heart, leading with love, building real authentic relationships. Um, if I could share with one last story and I'll close is, is we did this book signing uh, for my book when it first came out in October. You know, we had a few other people in Denver come to the book signing, my friends and family, all over the country they flew in, very humbling. One of my mentors, Scott Lynn, had a little dinner for me. He said, you can invite 22 people. It was just how many people would fit in the private dining room my favorite steak place. <laughs> yeah. You can invite 22 people. You know, two of them are my parents, so you got 20 friends. Well, my wife, so you got 19 friends. <laughs> well, my son, so he got 18 friends. You got 18 friends. to. To, to, to come to the dinner. And so I, I really thought about who I wanted to invite. And I invited really 18 of the, my best friends in the world. Mm. And everyone ran around the table that night after our dinner and shared why they loved me, what, what they admire about me. It was very humbling hearing. And I uh, got to the end and they, Scott wanted me to say a couple closing words. And I looked to my stepson, Anthony. And I said, Anthony, you know what I'm most proud of? See that guy over there in the corner of the table, Dale? He's a Muslim. You see my agent over there, Michael? He's a Jew. Mm. See my friend over there? He's black. See my girlfriend over there from, from, from old days and friends for years. She's Hispanic. Mm. These are my friends. This is what success is about. (laughs) When you can build friendships with people that look different than you, that pray different than you, that believe different than you, then you can build friendships and lifelong friendships with Mm. people that are different than you. Now that's true success. And I just decided I'm gonna spend the rest of my life teaching people how to do that. (laughs) How to love, how to be vulnerable with their teams. I do these men's retreats. Oh, Jeff, man, Mm. just bring in 15 men, CEOs of huge companies, bring them in together for three, four days, and teach them what it's like to be vulnerable. These people are alone. Mm. They don't have people to talk to. They're running multi-billion dollar companies, and when you bring them together with other like-minded men, we all have the same problems. Marriage is tough, being a father is tough, Work-life balance is tough. You know, Taking care of our health is tough. And we start bringing men together and showing them vulnerability. They share and they, iron sharpens iron. And I take 40 high school kids to Europe every every summer called the Global Youth Leadership Academy. We take 40 high school kids from all over the country. We handpick these 40 kids and they're every walk of life, black, white, rich, poor. But we take them to Europe and we teach them about servant leadership and love over a week, intense program, teaching kids about love. So that's, that's if it's not next this year, but I think it's what's next next 50 years. I wanna, <laughs> I wanna teach people how to love right, mm. how to lead right, and how to live right.
0: Well, this has been a real treat. I, I want to say thanks to our mutual uh, friend, Jody Mayberry, who is responsible for uh, putting me in touch with you and, and highly recommending that I reach out to your team and invite yeah. you on the show. I'm so glad he did that and, and so thankful for your time today, Tommy. He's got a blog,
1: Jody, and he's a great guy. <laughs> he is. Talking about Drake, and he's me running my, my new podcast coming up. I love Jody. That's right. I'm glad he connected us, Jeff. And, <laughs> and I'm really wishing the best success with your podcast. And, and it's really blessed that you uh, asked me to be on your show.
0: Tommy's book again is The Heart Led Leader How Living and Leading from the Heart Will Change Your Organization and Change Your Life. I encourage you to connect with Tommy. You can do that on Twitter probably most readily. He's at Tommy Spaulding on Twitter. That's at tommy s-p-a-u-l-d-i-n-g on twitter all the links and resources we talked about the books that tommy shared including more information on his book can be found at the page created especially for this episode you'll find that at read to lead podcast.com slash 142 for episode 142 Please remember our sponsor and that free month-long trial they're offering just to you as a listener. It's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. And be sure to answer read to lead in the How Did You Hear About Us section. In addition to the advice Tommy gave on public speaking, if you'd like to grab my free ebook called My Presentation Toolbox, you can text the word toolbox to 33444. That works if you're in the U.S. Otherwise you can sign up for my mailing list by going to readtoleadpodcast.com. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look so forward to seeing you next time for the Read to Lead podcast.
1: Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead.